Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Noble and Bruce Show, brought to you by Ball is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome to another episode of The Noble and Bruce Show, hosted by Ball is Life. I'm your host, Bruce Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. And today, we are lucky enough to have three-time NBA champion with the Los Angeles Lakers, Mr. James Worthy himself. Joining us, James, how are you doing? I'm good. How's everyone? Doing awesome. Yeah, we're All doing good. well. How's the how's the late November evening in uh, in in LA? Well, I mean, you know, it's a typical uh, you know rush hour time uh, starting to build up now. But uh, you know, LA is LA. Weather's uh, decent. Yeah, and, on a daily uh, basis, right? Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we get some some stupid weather every now and then, foggy. Uh, I don't, it's never been cold in Los Angeles to me, but some people think when it gets down to like, thank you for saying 47, that. That hits home. Being a, being a it, Minnesotan, I hate people <laughs> bitching about the weather in Los Angeles. Yeah. Like I'm from North Carolina. So, you yes, know, when it's 47, man, 45, that's, 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 that's great weather to me, man. <laughs> That's awesome. So as we record this, it is, um, it's the Monday before Thanksgiving. So I'm obliged to ask, um, what, what's going to be on your Thanksgiving table, man? What's your spread? Well, um, um, I go to Thanksgiving to the same family, uh, every year. Um, and man, they do a really good job of a good spread, everything from Turkey, um, to sweet potato pie, you know, the dressing, uh, very traditional. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up around five pounds. There you sure. go. There you go. <laughs> I got to hit the gym tonight, tomorrow, the day, the day before Thanksgiving. So I can yeah, and, then, and, then, and then you got leftovers for the next two or three days. Yeah. Yep. You got some unique, a tradition you guys do that's unlike anything else or that you've heard of, or just a pretty typical Thanksgiving. Nothing, nothing too, not, not, nothing too unique. We, we, we pass a candle around, uh, uh, at the day. Dinner, and everyone gets to kind of, you know, give a little what they're thankful for, and, and for sure. it's always special, uh, kids included. So I might have to moment. steal that. I like that. We we drop yeah. a we drop a piece of corn in a cup and a glass, and that's that's how yeah. we say our thanks. What does that even symbolize? And then fill it with tequila. What what, what, what happens after that? No, just just corn <laughs> off the cu- like a hard piece of corn. Now uh, my grandpa's yeah. a far- my grandpa's a farmer, so that's kind of our tradition. Oh yeah, oh that's good, man. There we go. Like well, 
So we talk basketball, we talk NBA. And um, obviously you are with the Lakers still. I see you. I live in LA most of the time. I'm in Houston right now. I'm from Houston, just so you know. But obviously I see okay. you on the Spectrum Network and whatnot. And so some big news today um, and some, some big events last night that I think we should dive right into. Um, LeBron James suspended one game. Isaiah Stewart suspended two games for the altercation last night. A lot of discussion and speculation surrounding, you know, was it intentional? Was, was Isaiah Stewart's rage justified and all that? I have my own thoughts, but I was curious for what you think and what you thought about Le what LeBron did and how Isaiah Stewart reacted. Yeah, watching the game, um, you know, uh, yesterday, uh, kind of reminded me of the 80s, man, uh, where you could knock the hell out of somebody. Oh, yeah. and, uh, all it was was uh, a foul. I mean, I remember Kevin McHale taking Kurt Remis out of the air, mid-air. <laughs> And, and it, it wasn't even a technical foul. It was just two shots. So, uh, yeah, they really, you know, tighten up uh, the play. They don't, they don't allow, um, they don't allow uh, you know, too much physical play anymore. So, uh, as I was watching uh, the, at the free throw line, it looks like, you know, LeBron was being, uh, you know, blocked out. It looked like he was trying to keep LeBron out. And it was a little bit more physical, and LeBron just – didn't like it. He didn't like the guy's elbow pushing him out. And I think LeBron was trying to go for the arm. I think he was trying to knock his arm out of the way. And unfortunately, uh, you know, he got the face in the eye. And that's a big no-no in the NBA. That's almost an automatic, you know, uh, flagrant. Um, I, I don't know if it warranted um, uh, a suspension of a game. I've seen, I've seen, you know, similar type plays that, that were flagrant twos or maybe a suspension. Uh, I definitely think the reaction of the young Detroit player, he, he it was over. It, it was a little too much. Uh, I, I think, I, I think once, you know, once the altercation has been squashed a little bit and, 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 and the players have come in and the coaches and the referees have come out, you got to relax. You can't be, you know, throwing a tantrum. Uh, that, that was uh, even, even, even if you're in the right, you know, if, if he felt like, you know, LeBron was wrong, which he obviously, you know, the league thought he was, you know, you just have to relax. You can't, you know, you, you can't, you know, react like that. I know some people uh, are a little bit more emotional than others, but uh, that's something he's going to have to watch for the rest of his life. You know, and, it, and I, think he, I think he'll learn from this. Uh, when you get into a squash, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know how to get out of it and move on. So I, I was, it was unfortunate to see it, but it happens in the NBA. Hey, we love it because we're uh, diehard '90s and even '80s guys. We like watching all the throwbacks. So, and I, Mikhail being a Minnesotan, I'm all for that. Um, yeah, yeah, a little dirty ass Mikhail. <laughs> With that said, though, I mean. I don't know. It's totally out of character for LeBron if it was intentional by any means. And um, I'm glad they didn't give Stewie any more than two games because 2020 is where the NBA is soft. We all know that. I mean, the game's changed um, for probably the better, um, better reasons. But I don't know. There's no party that thinks LeBron just accidentally had a lapse and kind of went at him, just got frustrated and wanted to hit him pretty good. No, I, I, I don't, I, I've never known LeBron to get physical and try to throw a blow up in the face. Sure. Now, I've seen him throw an elbow. I've seen him like get people off of him. Absolutely. And I think that's what he was trying to do. 
I think he was trying to knock the guy from like the shoulder, arm down, knock it off, and just got him in the face. So, yeah, you know, that was dirty uh, by LeBron that they hit somebody in the face and he's going to pay the price for it. You know, I'll say, um, first of all, credit to the Pistons staff for keeping that from going, you know, from zero to 100. It could have. It could have it could have gone malice in the palace style, um, you know. And, and if you and if you watch the the replays, you'll see like all these different security members, coaches, Kate Cunningham players, throwing yeah. their bodies in the mix to to prevent it from you know getting super crazy. So credit to them. On the other hand, um, Isaiah Stewart is a man. That's a that's a big boy, and he was. I mean, he looked like. Uh, Aaron Donald coming off the edge, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, hey, he, well, he, looked, he, he looked like a bull waiting for the gate to come open and he's mm. going to go out and, and rip somebody's head off. I mean, yeah. Um, he felt like he had been, you know, disrespected and also punched in the face and he didn't care who it was. And right. so I get it. I, I get the, you know, retaliation, but at some point you can't be restrained and then, try to run all the way out the arena around the corridor and get back in the other side. I think that's a little bit much. Uh, you know, you'll see LeBron again. Yeah. Uh, so he know, did have so his gotta, chance. He, he did have a split second chance when they were face to face and then they got restrained. And then he, that's when he started like, you know, once they were, there were bodies in between them is when Stewart started kind of up in the ante. So yeah. he had a, if, well, if he wanted to, LeBron was right there in front of him for, for from what I hear, seconds. From what I hear, I never played against LeBron. From what I hear, uh, from all his play and practice of being Olympian and all that, that I don't, he's never known to go after anybody. For sure. But I think he was, I, I think he was trying to knock the hell out of that arm. I do yeah. think he was trying and to. People make yeah. mistakes, whether it's intentional or not. I mean, it's yeah. not the end of the world. He didn't kill the guy or anything like that. So uh, bring that, it back. Exactly. Bring that kind we of play right. Bring it back. We, yeah, we get it next Sunday, the, I think. There's a rematch, yeah. Um, so, last thing yeah. I want to touch on with this, though, it was kind of funny. Um, LeBron's people, I think I want to say leaked it, but, uh, they claim he tried to hunt, um, Stewie down after the game, his phone number and tried to give him a call and, but never got in touch with him. But I thought that was pretty funny. I, I, I think that's just a PR cover up. What'd you say? Uh, I don't know. LeBron's been known to communicate with people. I mean, I think what he was trying to tell, uh, the guy initially is like, look, man, uh, look, this is not what I was trying to do. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, LeBron, you know, I remember doing the lockout. Um, you know, he had a lot of phone numbers and was in touch with CP3 calling people. So, yeah, it, it, you know, it could be a PR move, but it, it could be, you know, uh, it, it could be something that he really tried to do. I don't think LeBron would ever have a tough time getting in touch with anybody, to be honest. No, no. I'm sure he's got everybody's number. For sure. So, Roosh, let's get into the season. So, on a positive note, would you say, Zach? Let's get into the season, huh? Well, that's what I was going to say. On on a positive note, that happened. And then, you know, the Lakers were on the verge of going down and losing and and ending the night 8-10. and Um, They rallied back after LeBron got got booted. I think they were down 15. Westbrook ended up with 26 points. 10 dimes, nine boards on 10 to 21 shooting, had a good game. Anthony Davis closed with some incredible defensive possessions, finished with 30 points, 10 boards, six dimes on 11 of 19. And then they were able to rally and win the game. The Lakers are now nine and nine. I think they're eighth in the West, about six and a half out of first. And I think they're only three Mm -hmm. games out of third. So a lot of things have gone wrong this season. It's not the team that the Lakers were expecting, I don't think, quite yet. But 
uh, there's a lot of positives to kind of uncover because LeBron's been out. Um, they're still taking time to gel and they're just one, you know, one momentum run, one eight game win streak away from just shooting right back up to the top of the standing. So where do you think the Lakers are right now and kind of what are some of the issues they've been working through? Yeah, I, I, I'm saying it's very frustrating right now for me to watch. Uh, but, but, but I understand what has happened. Uh, and, and the first thing that happened is when you lose the, the absolute heart of your defense, uh, uh, Caruso, um, um, uh, Pope, who's a hell of a defensive player, Kuzma. Uh, Shooter. Shooter was, you know, say what you want to about Shooter. You saw what he did the other night in Boston. He was a good defensive. Kuz was a good rebounder. So um, they've yet to, to create any kind of continuity on the court. I mean, yeah, they got some, some players, uh, but they, they don't have the chemistry yet. Ariza out. None still out. LeBron's been in and out. No practice time. So I still believe that they're going to be somewhere at the top of the West, uh, second, I think, third. Uh, but it's going to take them some time to create the chemistry. Uh, they don't, they don't, they're not used to each other's tendencies. Uh, I think Westbrook has had to have the toughest adjustment uh, coming in, trying to play with megastars, AD and LeBron, and then trying to, uh, you know, get used to the other guys. So I think when they get everybody back and, and get some practice time under their belt, uh, I think that they will play better defense. I'm not worried about the offense. The defense uh, they need to really improve on. So I I, I said I'd, I'd give them to Christmas, man, maybe in January before that happens. So until then, they have to, you know, they got to do what they did last night and against uh, the Pistons and, and going forward. And I think that was a good thing for them last night. They needed, they needed a little tussle uh, to kind of get them going because they've been really struggling with different lineups, uh, night from night, guys not knowing whether they're going to play or not. Right. Um, you know, so it's, 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 it's a tough adjustment. We know preseason, I was like, oh, yeah, we're getting Westbrook. We got Dwight Howard and DJ Batman. We're, you know, we're, we're older, but we're, we're good. Carmelo, but they've yet to connect. And that's a difficult thing. And they're in trouble until they do that. Yeah, they're a bottom five defensive team right now. I mean, just eye test and all the metrics. I mean, it's pretty glaring out there, but um, that was always the biggest concern before the season, the personnel they brought in, but you just would think um, the offense and talent would exceed the fit um, and they'd be able to overcome all those weaknesses. Uh, But do you think Frank still has their attention? Do you think they're listening to him? Because I think that's a big question right now and it's uh, I don't know there's a lot of rumors going around that they're, they're not listening to him uh, how concerning you think that is um, on that side of things yeah coach is always going to be under the microscope you know when you're losing I think they're listening uh, when I look at how this team developed the last couple of years they were listening to Frank and they were buying into his uh, his philosophy of defense first uh, you're bringing in all these new players and he's got to jail them and, you know, uh, teach them the defensive concepts. Um, and I think they'll get it. I think, you know, guys like Nunn's a good defensive player. Ariza's a good defensive player. AD, we got some, you know, a little bit of youth to go with that old Tucker, who I think is young. 
a good defensive player. So yeah, I think they they just haven't had a chance to 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 play together enough, and so they're not communicating enough. They're not saying, "Hey, pick," you know, switch. There's a lot of things that they gotta they gotta they gotta they gotta learn how to do better in order to become a better defensive team. But but I think I think Vogel's okay. Uh, like I said, I'm I'll give them to Christmas or early January before you know before that antenna goes up. Yeah, their their championship team had some like like you mentioned, and you 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 named KCP and Caruso specifically, who I think mm-hmm. were two guys on the perimeter that can stick you, yeah, and stick with you. You know what I mean? And, and kind of guys you can trust um, to kind of put out there. And Danny Green, I, I think Danny Green, honestly, Danny Green, you absolutely know, quintessential three and D guy. Um, and so you're missing those kind of glue guys, right? A team with LeBron and AD can run five out three and D when you have those types of players around you to kind of anchor things defensively. And I think you're right. There's no community. People think defense is all about individual ability, but in reality, mm-hmm. it's about team communication. It's about anticipation, knowing the strengths yeah. and weaknesses of your teammates, when to pop, when to, when to drop, how to tag all that, all that good stuff. So they're kind of missing that right now. Um, I, I worry, I'm not a Lakers fan, so maybe I don't worry, but I worry that, <laughs> <laughs> that Ariza's is not, I mean, he's just a little over the hill. He's not a bad player, but I don't know if he's that guy anymore like that. Yeah. I will say Carmelo has been a little bit better defensively than I thought. And on offense, it's like a, a renaissance for him. It's, it's been incredible to see. He's on fire. He's flame-throwing. Um, Austin Reeves has actually been pretty good. Undrafted rookie, I think, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and that's been a surprise to see. But I was going to ask, with the, the addition of Westbrook, who, in my opinion, because I watched him in Houston, kind of has defensive lapses. He has all the defensive tools, but as far as team communication goes, he kind of misses some things sometimes. Um, so they have to play a different style of basketball. And so my question is, now that you got AD and, and Russ out there, and LeBron has been in and, in and out, and I think they got Russ to kind of plug in for LeBron in these types of moments. Do you think that um, they should use AD as more of a screen and roll type big instead of all these post touches that they've been getting on the offensive end of the floor? I like the screen and dive role. I like that. I, I'm not a big uh, uh, screen and pop guy, so yeah, I, I I gotta have I gotta have I gotta have uh, uh, I gotta have him in the post. I, I gotta have AD in the post 85 percent of the time. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, I like the, the the pick and dive. Uh, I also like to pick across, bring in AD to the ball. I think they got to find some ways. I know he's a perimeter type guy. Uh, he used to be a six-two guard. He, you know, he likes that. You know, that mid fifteen feet. But uh, he's proven that he's more dangerous when he goes in the post because you have to double team him. He collapses the defense. Uh, he seems to be a willing passer. I'm not sure he's the most physical guy. You know, he's not a Patrick Ewing or Moses Malone type. But I'd like to see him. You know, add some of that to his game. Uh, but we do need him to be a dominant post player uh, on the offensive end. Uh, we need points in the paint. We need people to collapse the defense, and he's one guy that can do it. Have you uh, enjoyed watching teams try the zone defense every now and again? I think a lot of teams are trying it right now. I've seen three or four, and it's failed for most of them. I mean, the Lakers probably did a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, get rid of that, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I, you see it last night? It was ugly, man. You're right. Uh, because, you know, it's just too much talent in the NBA for a zone. Once it gets in the middle, once they get that ball in the middle, it's over. And then you have three-point shooters that you can't get to. Um, you know, I, I've seen some zones 
for for may, maybe a minute or two, depending on what the what the lineups are. If the opponent has a weak lineup and you think you can get away with it, but I'm not a zone guy. I like straight up man to man. Switch if you have yeah. to, um, but uh, but but I like the man to man. Zone yeah, doesn't funny. work in the NBA. I don't think. It's funny to me because that was always the thing, right? It was always like zones a college and high school thing. It's not, it does not work yeah. in the NBA. And then we've been seeing it lately. And I'm just like, especially in a league that in, in a version of the league where shooting has been so emphasized, it's like, how are they running zones with mm-hmm. all this shooting? I don't get it. Cause you shoot and you pop the zone. Right. But, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, so the Lakers, like I said, nine and nine, 500. So you said you're going to give it till Christmas, maybe January until it clicks. Um, do you think, this, this might be the first time, and I'm really hesitant to even go there because every time I think LeBron might be showing signs of his age, he comes back and reminds me that he's still Iron Man. But do you think that this might be the season where LeBron is kind of starting to show some of those signs that he's not, you know, infallible? Yeah. Well, time is undefeated. I yeah, mean, all, time, all, you gotta, all you, you got to do is look at Kobe's career. At the end of his career, on 18, 19 year, you know, Achilles, knee, uh, surgery here. The body's not going to let you play. I mean, I don't care. I mean, LeBron puts about, I heard he puts about a minute and a half into his physical workout and the science of diet and all this stuff. Well, that's gotten him this far, 19 years, and he still hops around like a young kid sometimes. But I think, you know, you have to pay attention to your body. This would be a good year for load management for him. You know, uh, he had the fluke injury where the guy bumped into his knee, but then he had the ankle, the abdomen, uh, he's had the other ankle. So you have to start listening uh, to that. And I think, you know, I think he is. So, I mean, when you start having little minor injuries and they come frequently, yeah, that's a sign that your body's saying, look, I'm tired of this, man. If they were looking to make a move at, at one point, if this doesn't, the ship doesn't start riding here and things start trending upwards. I mean, if they're say around 500 come Christmas time, uh, what type of move do you think they should be looking at? If any, or don't you want to even consider that right now? It's hard for me to consider it until I see the full, you know, the full team healthy and guys are back on the floor. I, I think we're stuck with what we have. I don't think, you know, we're going to like, like we can't move anybody, um, you know, with, with the money available, maybe get a shooter or something like that. We're not going to, we're not going to trade Westbrook or anything like that this year. So I think we're, 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 we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do what we have. And, uh, I just think they're going to have to really trust what they, what, what they're dealing with and really work on it between now and Christmas. So you mentioned that they're not going to trade Russell Westbrook this season. I felt like that would be a, you know, a disaster to make that trade and then trade him immediately. How would you evaluate Westbrook's performance so far this season? Well, I've watched Westbrook, you know, his entire career. Uh, he's never had a, a quick start out of the gate. You know, Houston kind of slow until he picked it up. D.C., uh, same thing. So I like his tenacity. Uh, I think you have to catch up to his game. You know, yes. he has a fast-paced game. It, it, the problem for Vogel is, you know, how is he going to play Westbrook and LeBron on the floor at the same time. LeBron is ball dominant and doesn't really, you know, play the fast pace as much as Westbrook does. So uh, I think that's going to be a challenge. I think he has experimented with a little bit playing Westbrook five minutes, taking him out, 
and then bringing it back in with the second unit. So um, I, I think it's going to work out, though. I think LeBron, obviously, he's—I mean—he's been in so many finals. I think he'll figure out how to how to make it work. But the, right now, it's not—it's—it's it's not smooth. You know, uh, I see it. I see him on the floor together. Westbrook wants it. LeBron is trying to get it. Uh, Westbrook, he's, Westbrook runs. LeBron kind of, you know, he's a little bit more take his time. So, yeah, they, they got to work that out. Russ is one of those guys that you got to make sure, because, again, I saw him in Houston, and, and we're talking about the, the early 30s version of Russell Westbrook. So it's no longer, you know, the young, the young gun running all over the place. I mean, he still is, but it's just, it's just a different version. And he is solidified in what he is, right? I, I think people forget that when you get to a certain stage and age in your career, you are what you are. Reinventing yourself is difficult. And credit against Carmelo for being able to do that. But, but yeah, Westbrook off the ball, just kind of, he stands. And I think to maximize his use next to LeBron, who is ball dominant, and who, LeBron's not moving off the ball, they need Westbrook, I think, to, to cut. You know, he's still athletic. He's still explosive. You just got to find those gaps and those angles to get him the ball moving in mom, uh, with momentum, you know, in transition. Um, and it can be tough to kind of play on his pace. And there's, there's often a mismatch of like pace and energy with Westbrook. Like either he's going, you know, faster than the rest of the team or the, the rest of the team's going faster than, than him. It, that's just kind of what I noticed, at least from his time in Houston. Um, he has gotten his three-point shooting up a little bit for him. It's still, I think, low 30s or uh, high, high 20s. So obviously not what you want. Do you think that shooting is going to be an issue? moving forward? No, no, because I like his 15 footer and I like that little bank shot when he, when he gets that going, that's, that's his real shot, a streaky three point shooter. Oh my, if he takes a couple a game, you know, he, he'll hit him. Uh, but I, 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 I leave Westbrook alone. I say catch up to his pace. That's what I say. I, I, I don't think, I don't think the Lakers should say, okay, look, this is what we're doing. We need you to do this. And speaking of, of of movement, nobody moves on the Lakers team. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, there's no horrible. there's no motion. You know, when it goes to LeBron, everyone is standing. That's why they're so easy to guard. You know, there's no there's no action on the weak side at all. And that's one thing that I would you know promote uh, for Vogel to do is create some type of action so that when you have the ball, you're not staring at four defensive players. They're sitting there waiting for you especially AD. I mean, as soon as he puts it on the floor, uh, they're not going to allow him to do that. So we need some motion, especially, you know, Westbrook off the ball. Uh, and, and that, that includes uh, defensive and the offensive side of the ball. You know, when, when he's on the ball, when, 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 the, when guys are on the ball, their defense is, you know, it's decent. But when it's, when it's off the ball, that's a problem. So they, they have to fix that on both ends. They need, more movement on the offensive end, uh, especially, you know, Westbrook and LeBron, when they don't have the ball, they got to figure out a way to have some type of action on the weak side uh, to keep the defense busy and also uh, create some, some easier scoring opportunities. For sure. And I think that's been an issue with a lot of LeBron's teams in the past. I mean, you have to have pretty good fits around them because at times they don't know when they're getting the ball and what, what kind of offense he wants to run at times. but. He's just so dang good. They exceeds the the talent oftentimes, and he'll find a way to make guys work and be better in the end of the day. But it takes time, especially when you got a guy like Westbrook that's going at a speed that nobody's really ever seen if you haven't played with them. 
I got to know, James, what are your thoughts on this, uh, the new rule changes? I mean, are we looking closer to the early 2000s, uh, 90s basketball yet? I mean, defensive numbers are trending that way and kind of looking closer that way. But um, what have the new rules done for you? Like which ones in particular? Like, like I don't just keep up with Offensive like fouls mainly. Um, and just. Yeah, man. I mean, look, you know, guys, you know, aren't going to college. You know, Kareem had four years with John Wooden. Uh, Bill Walton had four years with John Wooden. Michael Jordan had three with Dean Smith. I had three. So you learn the science and the and the and theory of the game. Um, yeah, I mean, this uh, the the you know the three point play, you know, where they changed the rule where you know they used to kick that leg out oh, and get it. I mean, that's, I mean, the, the 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 game is soft, man. It's gotten really soft, and I and I think that they that they're loosening the rules up because the fundamentals out aren't there. I mean, the the talent is there, but the fundamentals out there. So just let them play a little bit. And this this stupid going to the video thing—that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, because usually when they go over there, they see how much they really screwed the call up. But but they can't they can't they can't they can't change it. It's like you know, fifteen minutes over there. They need to reform the referees. They're really inconsistent, and I hate watching the game slow down. Let them play a little bit. You know, the game is it's a physical game. The, the NBA, and you know when we played, you you could tap people a little bit. They didn't. You know that's the way the game is supposed to be played. As long as you don't extend your arm or you know hard checking. Foul, but now you can't even breathe on anybody hardly. So, but but I I see Harden's a little bit frustrated <laughs> this year. He's not getting the calls. Well, shooting that, numbers that, in that general are down down throughout the league like crazy. Yeah. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. James, I was going to ask, since you talked about the game back in your day and how it's softer these days, um, like I told you, I'm from Houston, so I'm sure you remember the 1986 Western Conference Finals. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, you know, how just any reactions or any memories that you have from Ralph Sampson's shot that ended that series? A lucky shot. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, look, um, we, had, we, had, we had just beaten the Celtics for the first time in 1985. And uh, so that was big. First time in Laker history. And uh, that that we were able to do that. So we were looking forward to a rematch. We had played the Celtics in 84, lost 85, won 86. They were good. We were good. But Houston uh, was trending in the right direction. Not only did they have Akeem Olajuwon, but they had Ralph Sampson. They had Reed. They had um, uh, Wiggins. Lloyd, they were running, man. They were running. Uh, 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 they, they had a lot. They had a good bench. Peterson came off the bench, and they were well coached. And they caught McCray. us off guard. Tommy, I was going to say, Tommy McCray 
who guarded me very well. Uh, he and Dennis Rodman were really good defensive players against me. So, uh, yeah, we, we kind of we, we were looking to the Celtics and forgot about Houston. And the dream was dreaming. And uh, they, were, they were on fire. They beat us in regular season. I think it was next to the last game they beat us. And I was scratching my head. I was like, damn, they're, they're pretty good, man. <laughs> I mean, it was, there, it was some force there. You know what I mean? It was different. Um, and sure enough, um, you know, we kind of glided right through the, the first couple of rounds and we got to them and they were ready. They could match our speed running. Um, and defensively, you know, they, they were, they were pretty good that year. Do you think dream is one of the few, maybe the only big man, big men that was able to kind of go up against Kareem and hold his own like that? Well, uh, you know, Kareem went through a lot of decades, you know, and he schooled, he schooled Akeem a little bit before 86, but uh, we had no answer and for, um, for Akeem. He had arrived, and uh, Kareem couldn't handle him. He just – it was a small forward wrapped up in a center's body, and uh, it was just too much. We, we, we sent Mitch Kupchak into the game to, uh, to try to get a technical foul and get Akeem thrown out, and it worked. Mitch Kupchak came in, roughed up Akeem, and Kareem, you know, I don't know if you remember, Akeem had a little temper back in the day. Yes, he and did he, back then. And, and, and he knocked the hell out of, out of Kupchak, and he, we got him tossed out of the game. It worked. <laughs> you go back and look at that. And, and, but still, they, had, they, had, they, had, they were still running. They still had a good team. And then that, that, that freak shot by Ralph Sampson, man, it was, that, was, that was hard to take. Is Kareem the greatest big ever in your mind? Or, I mean, individually at their absolute peak, I'm not talking from a career standpoint, or does like a Hakeem or a Shaq, I mean. Not I'm, I'm going to ask if you think not, Kareem is probably not, the greatest ever. Not only is Kareem the biggest big man, he's the best player that's ever played the game. Yeah, ever, there we are. Yeah, yeah. Ever played the game. And so a, a, a people who have seen his body of work, and know his body of work yeah. uh, would agree, but you know he, you know it's hard to compare him to Michael Kobe because the game changed. You know, acrobatic. Yeah. It was so acrobatic and done different style. But you look at his record. Not only his scoring record, he's got a ton of records that oh. will never be broken. And his body of work. You know, three championships at UCLA when freshmen couldn't even play on the varsity team. In fact, the varsity varsity played the JV team in an intramural and the, the JV team beat the varsity team. That was when John Wooden was at his peak. So uh, uh, I was fortunate enough to see Kareem's body of work over time. And I stood on the other post and watch him go through five or six generations of players. You know, I watched sure. Wes, Wes Unsell, you know, Akeem, Patrick Ewing. I mean, so to me, I, and I'm, I'm slightly biased, but I'm also looking at uh, from a strategic fundamental, uh, he's, 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 he's the best. Hey, the fun. only thing you got going against you is uh, you played with him at his absolute peak, but you didn't, you could say you have the little bit of Michael bias being you played with him as well, but that wasn't at his peak in his NBA yeah. career. But with that said, I mean, obviously the accolades, the numbers say there's a strong case for Kareem, but um, what, what is it? I mean, what is like one or two things that you'd give it to cream, 
um, from an all-around skill dominant standpoint outside of numbers and uh, just resume? Well, you look at his other stats outside of scoring, passing. He was a hell of a passer uh, from the post. Um, you know, he was also a pretty good shot blocker. Um, you know, Kareem understood the game and, um, you know, just the way he played and what he had to go through. Civil rights, you know, in the 60s. He, he went through a lot of stuff, man. Religion, uh, you know, changing his religion uh, and longevity. You know, he played 18 years, like, dominating up until then. So, and he had a, he had a shot that no one can duplicate. I mean, you see Kobe looks just like Jordan, right? And LeBron duplicates a lot of, you know, but you, you've never seen anybody duplicate Kareem, you know, and he didn't shoot the three, never had the three, and he still was able to dominate. So, uh, to me, he's, you know, he's the best. He also, I think um, you kind of touched on it with what he went through, had a level of, for someone as big of a star as he was, had a level of humility um, that I just don't think we may ever see. I don't know. Do you think? Yeah, um, he, was, he, he was misunderstood. I mean, Kareem went through, I mean, for a long time, he was uh, disliked because he didn't have good rapport with people. Uh, but, but, you know, for what he had to go through, being a seven-footer in high school and, um, you know, uh, the sixties and uh, what he believes in. He's a hell of an activist. Didn't play in the, in the 68 Olympic in the 68 Olympics because he didn't believe, you know, in the injustices were being taken care of. So he, he's an activist, really, you know, a smart guy. And uh, so I think that's, that was the thing that he didn't like. Uh, people looked at him as just a basketball player. And, he, and if you talk, if you walk up to Green and start talking basketball, he, he's not going to say anything. But if you go to him, you start talking jazz or history, he'll sit down and talk to you all day about it. He's that that's because he's well read and that's the side he likes of the people to know about. It. The world's most interesting man. Yeah, he is. Pretty he, you know, I, I I I left after my junior year. Um, and so I had about fifteen hours left before I graduated. So I was taking these independent courses. And uh so Kareem caught me studying. I was on the bus and he was like, what are you reading? And I was like, oh, there's some history. And it just happened to be in his wheelhouse. He loves history. And so he started tutoring me. He said, put the book down. You don't need that. And he, <laughs> would tutor me. he would tutor me on the back of the bus and we'd talk about, you know, the Missouri Compromise and the Dred Scott, you know, and, and he was just, and it was all, and it was just all up here in his head, you know, dates and everything. That's amazing. And I, that, that's what I loved about the guy. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was also going to ask, um, obviously you're a three-time NBA champion. Um, off the top of my head, I think 83, 84, and then 86 through 88 back to back. Um, which one is your favorite and why? Well, I have to say 1985, um, the first time uh, that the Lakers ever beat the Celtics after being dominated during the Jerry West era. I think the Celtics beat them like seven times in the finals. Jerry West would never go back to Boston all those years that we were playing in the, in the playoffs. So in 1985, after losing to them in 1984, um, we knew we were not only representing ourselves, but we were representing all those players who never won. And not all the fans too. The fans had to go through that. So I would have to say that. Was, and, and, and we're the only team that's ever won a championship 
on that nasty gymnasium. I don't call it an <laughs> arena, the gymnasium uh, on that parquet floor. So that meant a lot to me to win that first one. Personally, uh, 88, uh, when I was MVP against the Celtics, I mean, against uh, the Pistons was my personal, but I have to say the 85 was probably uh, more important. So wait, when you, when you won that one on that parquet floor, um, did it give you joy to see the sorrow in Danny Ainge's face? Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. You like, I, I, I walked by their locker room real slowly, hoping I could see a face as we walked by. But yeah, that, that was a good year for us. Um, you know, I, I actually thought it was a leprechaun. I thought we could never beat them. Yeah. Especially, after, especially after the first game in 1985. They called it the Boston Massacre because they beat us by like 36 points. And I was like, damn, there's a leprechaun in here somewhere. But we were able to uh, pull it together and, and take care of business. Would you call somebody crazy if they said they had Larry Bird over Magic Johnson all the time and Larry Bird in the top five ever? Yeah. <laughs> How big is that gap to you? Well, you know, I think, I think Larry Bird's a great player. I mean, I had to guard the guy. I mean, shit. Right. He, it's amazing, man. Um, yeah, I, I, I put him in the same category as Magic, for sure. I mean, they both were great yeah. leaders. They both led their teams. I mean, they, you know, Commissioner Stern saw something in those two guys that pretty much saved the league, you know. Yeah. Uh, Boston, um, you know, is still known as, like, you know, bring your lunch pail, let's go to work, you know, fundamental basketball, and then you had Showtime. No one ever seen it before. Magic Johnson, you know, uh, running style. There's, there was also a, a racial tint to it. You know, there was a lot of stuff going on in the early 80s that, that, that really emerged and, and, and made the NBA grow out of some, 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 some loneliness that it had in the 70s. So I credit those two guys, along with Commissioner Stern, for kind of, I mean, of course, Dr. J and, of course, you know, was, was still around in those, but uh, yeah, I mean Larry Bird, you, you can't you can't say that you know you you he has to be in your top five of, of players for what he you know he he only won three championships. Um, but, only, only, you know. Yeah, but you know, but but he's he's uh, he's you know if you're going to pick a guy, if so, you're picking five players, I mean Jordan didn't, but if you're picking five players, you got to you got to consider Larry. My rebuttal was, that takes away from you Lakers a little bit is how stacked you guys were. I, I, you Magic and uh, Kareem, I mean, that's as, that's as good as it gets ever. And that's where I, in my all-time rankings, I, I take a little bit away from it, even though, I mean, I, I have you yeah. guys all still really high. But Well, also your well, role players were, were incredible. I mean, like I mentioned right. earlier, Michael Cooper, uh, yeah. Byron Scott, not to call Byron Scott a role player, but Byron Scott, Michael Cooper, Kurt Rambis, uh, AC Green. I mean, you guys had some dogs. I was actually going to yeah. ask uh, if you had to, you know, with the brawl that happened last night, if you had to go in the trenches with, with one of your teammates from back in the gap, who are you picking? Well, my, my horse uh, was, uh, was a guy named Larry Spriggs. Larry Spriggs played up. Yeah, Larry Spriggs played until he, he won 85. He was on the 85 championship team. Okay. He played at Howard, and he used to beat my ass in practice all the time. He was physical. <laughs> But I would probably have to go with Mitch Kupchak back in the day. He was a brawler. But, you know, I feel like I could take care of myself. You know, too. Sure. I was, of course, of I course. Be, but, yeah, man, I mean, 
Yeah, there was a few few brawls back in the day. And who don't you want the, on the other side? Uh, or you ain't afraid of anybody. <laughs> yeah, there's some guys I, I, I like that. Anthony Mason. I would never, I would never walk up on Anthony Mason. He was a, uh, Charles piece. Oakley. Charles Oakley was another guy. Ah, you're good. Uh, uh, Carmelo was a guy you might, you know, you might want to walk back from. I'm, but if I had to, if I had to take care of myself, I didn't care who it was. I, I, I take care. Of, but, but there was some crazy you, you knew not to deal with. <laughs> I'll say, um, to your point about how you know the rivalry between the two of your teams, Lakers Celtics, kind of saved the league and and set the stage for you know what we see today. This many years later, when I was a kid, the there was a gap. Like right as I was growing up, as Michael was becoming Michael, right, and there was a video game called Lakers versus Celtics. So probably beyond your years, you were probably too old to be playing video games back then. But I, you know, I was playing little video games growing up, and it was Lakers versus Celtics, and it just kind of shows you like now you have you know it's NBA whatever. But the the yeah. name of the game was Lakers versus Celtics, and all the other teams were just kind of lumped into it. And so you know you guys set the gold standard, you know. So it's it's a special thing. You know, I, I think it, it kind of set the stage for a game that I don't know, captivates millions of people, tens of millions of people, you know, so it's pretty, yeah, pretty it, it reinvented the rivalry. So then you would have like Miami, New York in the Eastern conference finals. That was hot. And you had, uh, you know, Cleveland and, you know, with Steph Curry, you know, these yeah. rivalries start to build up again. So, but there's nothing like the, the Laker uh, Celtic uh, rivalries historically since the 60s. So it was good to be a part of that. And it was also good that, you know, younger players started to appreciate, you know, some of the guys that, 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 that laid the way uh, like magic and bird. And they try to duplicate that. So then you look at Steph Curry and um, you know, um, some of the playoffs that they've had and the dominance. So it's good to see Couple quick ones and we'll get you out of here. Appreciate you taking it deep with us here. Um, today's game. Um, is there a finals matchup or just a head to head matchup that um, you've really enjoyed over the last 20, 20, 25 years or so that really sticks out to you that um, just was really enjoyable for you? Yeah, I mean, um, I really enjoyed watching um, Shaq and Kobe uh, <clears throat> win three in a row. Uh, you know, we, we 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 guaranteed that we would win back to back, and Pat Riley did, and, and so we were able to do that to see them and what they were able to do. Um, you know, um, I guess the Celtics, especially '08 and '10, was special. Uh, but it's also it's also great to see. Uh, I, I enjoyed the Steph Curry in the Golden State. I, I love Steve Kerr. I just think he's a phenomenal person and a great coach, and what he's been able to do up there. Um, Miami, you know, when, when LeBron took his talent to to South beach, um, they were good. So, you know, but now uh, I'm really digging Milwaukee, Mm. really Milwaukee and and what, and what they're going to do with the nets over there. Unfortunately, the nets aren't full strength, but I'm still curious to see what Giannis, he wanted to stay in a small market. Maybe in the future he might decide, but I think what he's been able to do in Middleton, uh, one of my favorite players of all time. People people think it's all Giannis, but Middleton's a freaking Olympian, man. For sure. They're good. They're good. So, yeah, I love watching 
you know, small market. I remember San Antonio was a small market. They were able to to perish. I mean, to to do well. Uh, so th- those those are the ones I'd be looking for. As a big time market guy, I'm happy you say that. Coming from a small market here, but yeah. is there a guy in today's game that reminds you of yourself, or just you're that unique? You had to pick somebody. Uh, who runs the break? Like exceptional. Um, I don't know, man. I, you know, I was, you don't, you don't see too many small forward post-up players. That's it. You know, yeah. a, a small forward now, you know, he's, he's a three point shooter or, or guard. So it's hard. I, I don't like to really compare, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm pretty unique. I'm going to brag a little bit and say <laughs> I was one of a kind. I'm one getting old one. now. Well, I'm not getting old now. So I don't mind bragging a little bit. Well, I was going to ask, um, you retired at the, I believe the age of 32. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now you see a league where, you know, people play until 38, 39, whatever. Do you think if you, if you were in today's game, first of all, why did you retire so early? And second, if you were in today's game, do you think you would have played until a later age? I think, um, you know, we played almost, man, 120 games a year for a lot of years. We're going to the, to the, for the finals a lot. 84, 85, 87, 88, 89. So I felt like I put, and, and my, my rookie year, we went to the finals. I was injured, but um, so I felt like out of those 12 years that I played, it was like 14 in there. Uh, um, it wasn't fun anymore for me. My, my, my knee started to, to, to give me a problem, but I probably could have played a couple more years, but it wasn't any fun anymore. So when it wasn't fun to get up, I love going to practice and being with my teammates. I was the last, the last, you know, I was the last one. You know, Kareem, Magic, Cooper gone, Byron left, AC, everybody was gone. I was left there. And I just decided that, you know, um, I, I, I probably could have come off the bench and, you know, had a lot of did not plays and, you know, probably pumped up my pension plan a little bit more, but, when it wasn't fun anymore, I just said, why am I, you know? So for me, that was it. I, I loved going to practice. I loved being around my teammates. And when I got, you know, stuck with a bunch of young guys that didn't understand showtime, it, it, it was time for me to move on. So I did. Very good. Now, my last question for you tonight would be, um, this ball is life. Um, this is our network. Uh, we're big on mixtapes. Yeah, I don't know if you know much about us. I mean, the highlight reel and the, whether it's college, NBA, you name it, just the mixtape overall. Who back in your day, I mean, Magic Johnson's the first come to mind for me, but outside of Magic, would have the best ball is life mixtape for you? Any player. I'm going to go back uh, to the toughest guy that was for me to guard, okay? This guy was bad. And it would be Bernard King from the New York Knicks. Love it. Uh, Bernard King would drop 50 on you easy and wouldn't even smile. Uh, <laughs> people forget about players like him. He's just a freaking dominant scorer. Um, Dominique Wilkins, he and I came out uh, at the same time, the human highlight fam, and he always thought he should have gone first. Uh, in 82, I went first, number one draft pick, and he tried to remind me Every time we played the Hawks, uh, <laughs> that would be a nice one to go. But Bernard King, uh, we went to New York. I didn't go out the night before I had to guard him. I got lots of sleep. 
because he was that tough. That's awesome. And um, good answer because obviously Bernard King, but also Dominic Wilkins, like you just said, his nickname literally was the human highlight film. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So two more questions, man, James, and we will let you get out of here. All Thanks right. again so much for spending this, yeah, this time yeah, with us. Yeah. We appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> I'll ask, well, we all, let's do, we'll do the finals pick first and then I'll do the last question last. Finals picks for this season, for this season. Bucks and the Lakers. Okay. Ooh, the repeat. Who's winning it all? I think the Lakers, if they, if they grow the way I think they can and will, I got to go with them. Yeah. Okay. AD, I AD. I think LeBron wants to win one. West guys have never won. Carmelo is desperate. West is really desperate. So yeah, you got guys that 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 have done everything. They just have that one thing that has eluded them. So yeah, and I'm being biased, of course. I mean, the West is pumped. Look at Golden State. Yeah. So, well, I got to tell you, I'm a little, I'm a little worried about them. They, they look, they look good, they're man. Good. I'll actually say this: I don't think the West, the top of the West, like it's, it's Phoenix, Golden State to me. It's Phoenix, Golden State, wide and open. Then, and then if the Lakers become what people think they should, yeah. the Lakers. I'm still Utah, Utah. Utah, Utah is a good regular season team. Still regular have season a, juggernaut. Still have it's, it's, it's when you get a team in a seven games, you can you can take away some of their strength. So. We'll see how that unfolds. Yeah, and we saw that with Gobert, and you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm being biased because uh, you know Rockets fans and Jazz fans we don't really like each other. But uh, <laughs> you know, you can take Gobert out the game when you spread the game out, and I just think yeah. there's a mental aspect to how they lost to the Clippers after Kawhi went out that it's really yeah. hard to get together as a team and climb that hill again and then go over. So yeah. it'll be tough. I think they're deeper though. They are deeper, but in the in the playoffs, rotation slimmed down. So we'll see. Um, last question, Mr. Worthy, we ask everyone this and we usually, we usually bring on the young cats. So, you know, they're always stumped and they may not have their answers. Maybe you'll have your answer kind of more naturally, but, um, if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive, who are your three? Three people. Um, so I wrote a paper on Frederick Douglass. I remember in the Ooh. 10th grade, he, he was a hell of an abolitionist, uh, and really had a lot to do with, uh, with, with president Lincoln. Uh, I would, I would, I would want to, damn, that's a tough question. Um, um, you stumped me. Uh, it's all good. It happens to everybody. <laughs> stumped me, man. Cause it's so, it's so many, uh, Gandhi, I wouldn't mind sitting down with Gandhi. Okay. Uh, because of the service to people that serve people, what's right. And, uh, let's see who's, who's the other one, man. This is a good one. Uh, I would have to go. I'm, I'm thinking somebody like uh, uh, Harriet Tubman. Yeah. Okay. Tough-ass lady. Carried that shotgun. Went back and forth, back and forth. She didn't care, man. She was trying to free her people. So I love, you know, the stories of her. And I would love to get some of that knowledge of just life, how to, how to be who you are and live and be authentic. So those are my three. So Frederick Douglass, Gandhi, and Harriet Tubman. Crazy fact, <clears throat> I think we, we always forget this. Harriet Tubman died in 1913. That's not, like, there are people still alive that were alive yeah. with Harriet Tubman. You know, it, it's yeah. kind of, I would have guessed like, a little later than that. Yeah, because growing yeah. up in the history books, like, you know, we, we in, you know, at least to me, it was always like, oh, 17, 1800s. Like, no, Harriet no. Tubman died in 1913. So. No, not too far back, man. She was, she was taking people all the way up to Nova Scotia. Far as they yep. can go north. <laughs> yep. 
Well, hey, James, thank you so much. This has been an honor and a pleasure. We appreciate it. Best of luck to your Lakers. And uh, you have a wonderful Thanksgiving and a wonderful evening, sir. Thank you. You guys do the same, man. Enjoy it. James, top 75 all all time, top 40 for me. Uh, Best of luck. I hope these Lakers turn it around and uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Thanks for coming on. You guys do the same, man. Hope to see you soon. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Good luck on that golf game, too. Swing's looking nice. 13 handicap coming down. That's not bad. Probably kicking Byron Scott's ass. Not quite, but he's on my list. (laughs) Okay. Good luck. Take care. Later. All right, guys.